With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the Anfield Wrap. The Anfield Wrap with John Gibbons, Paul Senior and Glenn Price. We're going to talk about Arsenal versus Liverpool. Uh, but hello uh, to Maddie, uh, Manon and Stu. Uh, after the happy event of the weekend, our contributor Stu Wright uh, and all involved. Uh, well done, everybody. Show dedicated to them. Uh, and it's in association with Redsbet, who are our partners for 2018. And they give 50% of their losses, uh, sorry, your losses, their profits over to Liverpool fan-related causes. If you want to know more about them, you can find them at redsbet.com. And if you have signed up already uh, then you can uh, make sure that you've nominated your specific cause and obviously we want everybody to be gamble aware uh, but we are here to talk about Arsenal uh, versus Liverpool a one-all draw um, how many of you would have taken a one-all draw before a ball was kicked yes and no dead quick John probably not no but then I mean that, that brings up with it wider issues that I'm sure we'll get into but probably not probably not Glenn I think I'd have taken a, a draw yeah you'd have taken a draw Paul no, what, obviously wider issues, but no, I, I would never want them to feel scared. <laughs> I was scared going to that, that fixture. Uh, flip side, uh, would you have taken a one or draw at half time? Um, pro- probably not because I thought we'd be better. Um, second half, it was. If you'd have asked me after ten minutes, I'd have taken. I'd have taken a draw um, because they were just getting so much joy right between Gomez and Trent. Um, I was right. In the ground, right up, right by that. And firstly, I knew Aubameyang was quick. I didn't know he was that quick. Um, and he just looked really, really up for it. Um, so yeah, would I have taken? Would I have taken the point then? Yes, but but only because of the start Arsenal had. Do you take the draw at half time? Again, probably not. Um, I just always feel confident with us that we're going to have a spell, and we were actually creating chances in that first half. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think you know, in in a, in a in a funny sort of way, I, I still backed us to to win it. I watched the game in a sort of really bitty way as well, and I've watched back what what I kind of missed um, because I had sort of life issues. But um, yeah, is so so that may maybe affect my thing a, a little bit. But no, I, I still sort of backed us. Um, were we all impressed with them? Before we get into the, the whole thing, was Glenn? Were you impressed with Arsenal over the course of the ninety minutes? Yeah, um, I think. Everyone knows the quality they've got in attack, um, uh, and I think Özil did okay. Uh, I think he's had better games, but he did okay. And he's always you've always got to look out for him. Um, it was Aubameyang on the, the their left side, wasn't it? He was constantly attacking Trent, and had had a fair bit of joy on on that side. Uh, to be fair to him, and then everyone knows about the quality, like I said. But I was quite impressed with the the two holding midfielders yeah, um, is Torreira and Xhaka Xhaka had taken a lot of flack hasn't he um, during his time at Arsenal but during this this run where they've gone I think in 13 games they've only they've won 12 of them well what might have been 13 out of 14 now um, those two those two have been really good uh, Torreira especially signing from Sampdoria just been been really good um, so they're a bit more solid now Arsenal because You've got to you've got to get through those two, and they're still that they look as if they're they're still you know decent in the final third as well. I was hugely impressed by them. I was hugely impressed. Um, 
everything I've ever known about Arsenal has sort of been Arsene Wenger and they've always had obvious issues and for a manager in 10 games to look like he's almost sorted them in in that amount of time was fascinating. Emery's a great manager and we said that in the sort of preview shows leading up to the game but they look, they look, they look reasonably solid but then you look at that front four uh, you know, if you're playing footy manager or something, you, you're made up with that from yeah. for Mika Tyran. You've got pace you've got pace either side. Ozil's so creative and the Lacazette it looks do you know, that that thing we used to say about French footballers they need a year. It looks like he's had his year and he's bang on it. I thought I I thought Arsenal were, were superb and it's been a lot of negativity coming out of it and I've seen seen loads of stuff which I'm going I haven't watched the game back. I've, I've watched bits of highlights back, but I haven't watched it in its entirety back. But obviously it was in the ground, and what I've seen in the grounds, I came out going, ah, it's a shame that we didn't win. But I thought if it was a boxing match, Arsenal won on points. I, th- I thought they, they came across really good side, John. I think the there is there is such a thing as, you know, you get a bit of luck, bit, bit of luck when you play teams. I think I'm right in saying that West Ham have took points off Chelsea this season, but we played West Ham first game and they were a bag of rags yeah. at Anfield that day. City, you know, I th- I'm not saying that Arsenal have beat City or even take a point off them, but I watched City versus Arsenal first day, and Arsenal look a million miles away from that side now. They'd make it far, far harder for them. Sometimes that literally is what happens over the course of a season. Yeah, and they played Chelsea uh, second up as well, and it, and it was a similar sort of thing. He's done a he's done a great job there, the manager, and you know they seem a, a sort of squad transformed really. You know, you we were talking about what Paul was talking about that from four. When I saw he picked that team, I thought, so oh, he's just, he's just turned this into a, a bit of a tennis match or a bit of a you know a shootout, whatever kind of analogy you want to, your metaphor you want to use, really. But they managed to control the game, and that's really impressive to have that much attacking talents on on the pitch, but still managed to kind of control the midfield. And maybe that says a lot about about issues that we were having in the middle there, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But I think from an Arsenal point of view, to to, to pick though that many attacking. Players and, and that much attack and talent, and then you know, even throw a Wobi on at left back, and 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 but still manage to have that much kind of control. Just, I mean, it, it, it says a lot for the for the two defensive midfielders, but also in terms of how they were kind of set up tactically and the, and the work they were able to do for each other. There's there is another flip side to this, Glenn, where there's another universe where manage manage goal counts. And Liverpool, who I thought actually responded really well to the setback of that goal not being given, I thought that's probably our best patch yeah. during the game. But they don't just go one nil; they make it two nil, and then I think you you know this is. To me, these games that we're getting embroiled in now, they feel, even though I think there's more action in them, they feel more like that sort of those big matches, 05 to 10, where you come out feeling as though you're able to have chats about fine margins all the time. You know, even this season where we went to Tottenham, we were much the better side. You're still, you're still able to have a bit of a fine margin chat around aspects of that game. I think that as these sides get closer and closer together, you are able to point to little things. And I, I think if that goal stands, I think Liverpool go in 2-0 up and I think they probably hold on and if anything, pull away from Arsenal on the counter. Yeah, the, the, these games are on such a knife edge just because of the quality on show and basically sort of the repercussions of, of what a result can mean, especially you know in the era that we're, we're in the Premier League at the moment. Um, I, it, it was a weird game, actually. I thought... The pace of it was unbelievable. Um, it wasn't necessarily end to end, but the pace of it w- was incredible. But no, neither side were really. There was no real open, like clear cut chances. There were the decent chances, but there were no cutting teams apart or whatever in, in the first half, especially. Um, which kind of makes you think that maybe both managers feel like a point is better than you know a defeat because. No one really went gung ho for it, did they? Um, which we might have seen um, 
in, in seasons gone by, and especially Liverpool, obviously unbeaten since the start of the season. Maybe it's a, a momentum thing that they want to keep up and, and not get in beat. But I, I don't think it's necessarily this season, but I've seen games where... Do you remember the Man City game away in 2016-17? When in the rain. Yeah, that, the that, that pace was, the game of that pace was unbelievable. And, and that was a game decided by, you know, fine margins. I think it's just when you pit two teams together with unbelievable amounts of quality, it is going to be just going to be dis- refereeing decisions, errors that just, you know, will be the uh, deciding factor. I think there's, there's, there's a little bit in, I agree with much of what Glenn said there. I... I think there is a line that I don't think Arsenal can play with in a game like that with much more freedom or exuberance, Paul. I think they are a bit... Gunko is the wrong way to phrase it, but I think they are a little bit like they're in the ragged edge, I think, during the game Arsenal, whereas we, I think we come away with it frustrated with a couple of performances and, feel, and, and wishing maybe we'd had a couple of different players to select. They're able to, they're able to, have, to, 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 to have the idea of we had, with the exception of the defence, you know, but they can feel as though we had our footballers on the pitch there for much of it. The lads we, the lads we'd want, and um, you know, that that was one of my takeaways from it was that they, and also they could play with a little bit more exuberance because there is so little expected of them. It felt like a real. I'm trying to remember to phrase this, and I'm, I'm going, I'm elongating my points. It reminded me a little bit if you take the Neil Mellor winner out of the 0405 game Arsenal Liverpool at Anfield when it was about Benitez's 10th 11th game of the season Liverpool scored that shabby Alonso goal where we cut them apart everyone feels great Arsenal some football team but we were able to play the whole of that game like well we're learning about us here do you know what I mean does that make sense a little bit (laughs) (laughs) I did bang on didn't I yeah um, yeah I I thought both managers were sort of forced into selections first first, I think the uh, Gendouzi Red card. I think he'd have played. I think he'd have played instead of Mkhitaryan. Um, in normal circumstances, and I think these are just. But it's worked for him, I'd say. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, and I, I think where where Unai Emery's maybe got a, a touch lucky by having his hand forced. I think Jurgen Klopp's been a touch unlucky in having his hand forced. Whereas one clearly looked like a Premier League footballer for the time he was on the field, and the one that we've probably brought in Fabinho and. For Jordan Henderson, who I think would have been in the starting eleven in normal circumstances, I think he just didn't seem quite ready. And I mean, I've seen a lot of criticism of Fabinho coming out of coming out of the post-match reaction. I think a lot of it's a bit heavy. I just I just thought he was up against a very strong midfield. Um, he was swarmed upon, and I also thought there was other lads in that midfield, Genie Wijnaldum in particular, who was an absolute passenger. In the game, um, who've just got away with it because of his recent form? I think Paul. I, th- I think that's fair. I think that it's also a reminder, and I'm going to keep saying it, and I'm going to bang it and bang it and bang uh, it as a drum. Yeah. I know what you're going to say it's how hard so, it, yeah, is it is to play in that midfield. He asks, you know, and I remember this season. I'm gonna. I was. I might write a piece on it. I might not. But we play Chelsea midweek in the in the in the League Cup, and um, we then play them in the league. And minute one. Within 30 seconds, it's Jordan Henderson who's the first first man to close down Jorginho. But he sprints from the idea he plays the middle of that midfield three and he goes and attacks their deep-line midfielder. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is, if you're in the middle of his three, 
and you can have a chat about whether or not he should pick that three, whether or not he should make it easier for them, whether or not he should simplify. But that's his three. That's what he's gone with. It's what got us to the Champions League final. And if you're in the middle of that three, you're asked to basically almost do three different jobs. And it isn't just sitting in front of a back four. And no. I think that I think Fabinho found that out the hard way against Arsenal. How how fast this can be, and how much that manager wants you to do. Yeah, Klopp talks about learning how to and when to press for probably the first time in a long time at the weekend. And saying that you know, there's people in particular who need to learn how to do that. And I think I think he's highlighting that Fabinho still not quite ready. I mean, he's not bodied him, man. And Klopp's actually said he's happy with the performance. Where I was wondering whether he was going to be frustrated, but that midfield's mad. I mean, there's there's so much going on around the side of both fullbacks going. Um, the, the front three not offering a lot of protection. Like I can see why he changes at half time. And people are talking about Fabinho. It's not Fabinho. It's it's the it's affording protection to Trent. That that is why he's, he's put James Milner right hand side to try and cover the issues with Trent. Trent that was that was a huge, huge problem. And he's for me, maybe he's dropped dropped Firmino in the middle to then help Fabinho a bit. But it was Arsenal's other sides where they were getting joy in, in that gap between our right side and centre half, Joe Gomez and Trent. F- for me, it wasn't all on Fabinho's head. It's knife edge for me, John. That the way we set up, the way the Klopp gets them to play, you know, he, that he can't. I've always said, you know, for instance, if you pick a Royal Hutchinson side, you you can carry six players not playing well and not playing dreadfully, but not playing well. And it doesn't kill everything you're about. If you've got a, a Gerard Houllier side, you can maybe carry four. If you've got a Rafa Benitez side, you can maybe carry three. If you've having six out of ten, say, if you've got a, a Klopp side or, or for that matter, a Brendan Rodgers side, you do sometimes just have a team that's set up on an after, absolute knife edge. And if if one part of it's not working or two parts of it aren't working, you can suddenly find yourself where everybody suddenly looks like God. None of this is working. I think you can collectively look a mess if the team's not kind of doing what it should be and then individual players kind of get exposed from it. And I think that's a little bit what happened to Fabinho um, defensively anyway. And I think it was interesting, as, as Paul just said, Klopp talking about the press after the game. And, you know, he sort of said, you know, there's, there's times you do it, there's times you don't. And it's it's actually quite simple. And I think Klopp's maybe doing it. I don't know, maybe himself a bit of a disservice all the tactics, but it obviously isn't. Or, well, first of all, every team would be doing it. And, and secondly, you know, it'd be a lot easier for... You know these these kind of players who come in to pick it up. I think Fabinho's had, had two good games on a row. One excellent one against Red Star, and then he does pretty well against Cardiff as well. And so I, th- I understand why he's picked them again. I understand why he's gone again. But it was a it was a different it was a different game. You know, a different kind of kettle of fish who who, you, who you're up against. And and also I think they managed to spot quite quickly that he wasn't happier then they targeted him even more and then and then that, that that kind of becomes even more of a problem then I've had a little look at his he seems to give the ball away a lot I've had a little look at his pass completion rate and it's it's on 80% which is doesn't sound dreadful for, but with, for his position I'd say it's 7-8% lower than what it should be I think Bailey gets on the ball as well yeah so I think if you're if you're a defensive midfielder I mean you're starting a lot of the, the forward movements and you're losing the ball one in five times you get it it's not great and I think as I say Genie Adams is 90 for example and, and that's pretty high I would say for, for where he's playing but you're looking for being you know, it should be 7 or 8% kind of higher than, than where it was and I think 
also that doesn't count the times where he's where he's rushed off it, which seemed to happen a few times as well. Although that might just be kind of my memory. And it, it just all looked a bit quick for him, and and that's okay. No, you know? just, I think he was dispossessed three times in the first half. Was which he? Is, which yeah, is I, mean, high. I think Salah was, or he was two and Salah was three. Yeah, and they were the most dispossessed players. But Salah, the point of Salah is to get this. Yeah, well, that's yes. what I mean. Yeah, if, if some, and I know it's the same on the pass completion. Look, if Shakiri's got an eighty percent, you're like, well, Sam, because he's, he should be he should be trying to force it. Fabinho kind of isn't really, and so so that's what worries you. That that, that it kind of is so low and look it was I mean Glenn's just talked about it being one of the fastest games he's seen and Glenn goes sober the match so you know we we, we, we want to be listening to him um, and, and sort of watches it from one of the best seats in the house and blah 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 and, and I think you know it's if it was a bit too quick for him, then you can sort of understand why, because he has, you know, come in and come from New League and he'll learn from it. And look, we could have, we could have won the game anyway, and then you're going away going, oh, that'll be something to kind of be learn from. So it's a little bit of a shame. For, and I thought he was slightly better second half as well when I, we changed. I think John John's fair there where he's gone, you know, he's from a new league. I think it needs to be a more elongated point, really, that it's his third Premier League game. Mm. You know, the, that, that game, I think anyone with any Premier League history struggles in. And I think we've got to we've got to be a bit a bit fairer to him really because he's co- he's come from France and that the games aren't played at that pace and we've eased him in because he's clearly struggling with the pace a little bit and we are we are easing him in and this is I don't think he plays if everyone's available and that's not due to probably. His, he his might not even form. make the bench. I'm not talking about how taking the pace. He might not even make the bench if everyone's available. No, he might not. But I think. I think he's in now. I think he's. I think he's part. He's being considered, but I don't think he's been considered in this fixture, and yeah. that's, and that's massive. Big for for him. I think he's there because he's he's the only option. What what do you do? What's the alternative? Do you play Lalana? In that, if he's gonna, if he want, if he feels he needs a midfield three, do you play Lalana? Well, everyone said he stunk the place out last week, so I think he's earned his plays on merit. Um, but the game was maybe just too much for him. Yeah. I'm- when you, when you talk about his selection, I was trying to think of you know what other alternatives were there because it was either you know stick Wijnaldum in that number six role and then you've either got obviously you've got Milner or Lalana or Shakiri and having been at the Huddersfield game when Shakiri played that number eight role and and that was kind of sort of a similar game in where Liverpool were often out overrunning midfield at times and although Shakiri does really well in you know laying on the assist and finding pockets of space between the lines, one thing because you're quite close at Huddersfield to the dugout, one thing you did notice was Klopp was repeatedly agitated about his positioning and, and when to shuttle across and press the ball and stuff. So I think I think he said pre-match Klopp that his aim was to sort of, to sum it up, basically trying to control the midfield and, and have better pressing situation and, and whatever. And I think you can sort of see why he's gone with that midfield. It just, um, it just didn't work out. And also got to remember... <laughs> Something I've been surprised with Fabinho's performance is that he gets further afield more than more, more than yeah. you'd expect, and more it's than not a natural number six, right? Yeah, more than more than like he'd ever done at Monaco or whatever, and that's another thing to consider. It's because defenses don't expect. I think it was Red Star when he was in the box quite a bit, and Red Star was just like, "Bloody hell, what's he doing here?" Um, and when you're doing that in a game as fast-paced as Arsenal, it is very easy to get caught out because he's he's not the quickest, is he? Um, there are other players quicker than him in this Liverpool he's, team. He's more he's more Yaya Torre than Makaleli or someone like that. He's he's a he's more of a box-to-box midfielder, and this idea that he's the static sit in front of the sit on top of the centre halves midfielder is 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 wrong. Basically, he's he's mobile. He he likes to strive forward. And I don't, I don't think he can play his natural game at the minute. I feel, 
I feel for you'll see the best of Fabinho with Jordan Henderson, and uh, and I mean, I, th- I said Ben Johnson making the point about you know the the um, if if you don't rate Jordan Henderson now, well, this is what you're missing, sort of thing, and it's it is more. I think it's more to do with the understanding of the midfield, certainly. But I I feel I think it's to do with the, with the I genuinely do think it's to do with the complexity of the role, and yeah. I think that I think that you know Fabinho. Given time, will be fine. I do have a minor worry as to when the manager next goes with him in a game that he thinks could be this quick. To be fair, you know what I mean. If you're that club, might be another ten games into yeah. his Liverpool career. At least, at least I think, and I think and games is, will speed up. You yeah. know, I, but I think that it, I think it's just so difficult, and I think for ages everyone's done this little thing where they've gone, where everyone's talked, but basically almost everybody who's played one of these three roles. And I, you listen, I've been moody about Emre Chan in the past. You know, I think that we've all talked at times. Some of our footballers who played in this in this midfield in this shape in this setup, and we've acted like, "Well, what's he doing there?" And he looks a bit crap, and blah blah blah. And then you're able to point at really good games, and maybe just maybe he asks a three man midfield to almost <coughs> contribute, like a four man midfield, or possibly even like a five man midfield in terms of where he needs them all to be. And that's just dead hard. And uh, you know, I, I just think it's all right to say it's dead hard, yeah. and therefore maybe we sh- sh- shouldn't necessarily be. You know, Salah is brilliant, but he he offers problems because he wants to play. If he's playing off the right, he's not tracking back for you. Or if he is, you don't want him there. So yeah. therefore, you need someone who's gonna who's gonna operate that in that space for you. See, so that means you're all all already shuttling across a little bit. He doesn't want to play at the minute, or he isn't playing a playmaker, typical sort of three in there. And he asks the lad in the middle at times to be the highest pressing of the three. So that means he can't just sit in front of the back four like Makaleli. Get it, give it five yards, look great, stroll around, win four tackles, win a Didier Man free kick, and everyone can say, what a number six he is. You haven't got that luxury. No, no. And I think that, you know, at some sort of point, and I think, you know, I, I do hope that what does come out of this is everyone just goes, forget the individuals. Genuinely, let's just forget the individuals and say, it's rock hard this. And maybe it's too hard, and maybe that's something he could think about. But it's dead hard what he asks of all three of them when he plays that shape. So he needs to find a solution to it, then, doesn't he? If we're just because you know, just I mean, if it's if it is kind of too hard, then then you know we need to we need to find a solution. Whether that's because you know you talk about the front three and whether that's them dropping down back a little bit more. But we saw the issues with that when he went to the four four one one in that. You know, the one that Sadio Mane nearly gets to, and it's a great effort, but he's sprinting for 40 yards, then diving and lunging, and he doesn't quite get there. And look, if we're playing 4 3 3, maybe he's just stood there waiting for it, do you know what I mean? And, and that's like a little bit simplified because things happen in football games and it's not, you know, table footy. But, but it's, you know, still, if, you, if you're basically you're asking your lads to do more defensive work and you're asking them to cut back in, then it's harder for them to kind of, or it takes longer, you know, for, for them to kind of get forward and support. So I think, I think we just, you know, maybe maybe it's more just an exception, really. The you know, the, there's going to be spaces somewhere, and and it's Rafa's blanket thing again. And and you know, no football team is perfect. Although Man City, I'm a good coach. He, he pop says that he says you can't go to a place like Arsenal and expect to control like it for the majority of it and not be under pressure. I think I think the Rafa's blanket things. Dead interesting, but I think the bit of the blankets he stretches the most and has been now for twelve months is the yeah. midfield three. The midfield three and the bit of the blankets who were absolutely like and handy just have been. It were told you've got to be everywhere, but there's only three of us. But we've got you've got to cover two flanks through the middle. Someone's got to press their deep line midfielder from one direction as for be as Firmino presses him from the other. And someone's also got to be looking after their attacking midfielder. Who's that? The lad who, who, who Klopp calls his number six. Mm. He's got to be you know, you you've almost got to be playing in it's almost like Klopp wants to set us up. 4-4-3 and he decides that the area where he's compromising is those three are going to have to act like four and eventually things happen like this and I'm not, it's no surprise to me that if Arsenal either didn't get onto it during the game that they might have had a plan before I'm thinking you know what 
you can overstretch these in the middle because it's because it's dead hard and it's fine for it to be dead hard and yeah. that loads of footage dead hard. But it's interesting Klopp called his midfielders workhorses after the game and someone I read somewhere going, Oh, he's he's sort of damning them with free praise and I was like, No, I don't think no. he is. I think that's the biggest compliment Klopp can give you. He's like these workhorses, we keep asking them to, to go and go and they're doing it, but at some points I think he's sort of accepting that, you know, the there's only so many times you can do it. You're right in what you're saying. Is that four four three thing? That because our three, our front three, is a three. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not two wingers that tuck in or track back. It's a proper three, and you know, sort of anti-brand for Liverpool to to not. Ha- so if we start asking Sadio Mane and Mo Salah to track back, well, the one thing that we're going to lose from our game is that spring as we're their three centre forwards, narrow. That okay, some of them do cover the sides a bit. But then they're not going to be these these forwards that track back, and sometimes that that midfield three is just going to have a hard day because it's a man light. You know, Brendan Rodgers used to talk all the time about like winning little battles across the pitch because he's 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 outnumbered them. So we'd have a five, and they'd be a, we'd have a five up against a three, and we'd squeeze that midfield so much. Well, Klopp's asking has got the same demands, but he's doing it with two less lads. So we've either got to take take these midfield performances on the chin where we do have a bit of a rough day or you're going to lose something that we've come to love which is the attacking side it doesn't help that Fabinho's booked after 51 minutes as well um, which especially when the game's so stretched and that that he's walking he was walking a tightrope anyway but once you get a yellow card like that I think it's when Torreira goes through um, he basically just does a triangle around Fabinho you can see sort of Fabinho sort of be a good foul maybe to bring him down Uh, well, a lot of his just, tackles are sort of lunges because the way his legs well, go. He, so. He's really good at getting the ball back, isn't yeah. he? That's one of his plus points. And when you lose that, you know, you are going to be struggling a bit. Should he have been sent off? It looked in the ground like he should have walked. The late one? The, the one he clips his ankle at towards the end, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it looks where sort of on the replays did it. We weren't sure if I he thought it was dead first. cynical. Like, mm. I, I, I'd missed his book and I didn't realise he'd been booked on yeah, 51 I didn't. minutes. And that was for a totting up as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was... I, I, I don't think he should have been sent now. I, th- I think it would have been harsh if he'd got sent. Um, I think he's... Quite, I think, Looked a book in an isolation from where I was. I wasn't... It, it wasn't one of them where on the telly I was watching it and I was like, oh God. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't, oh God. So that's what I'd say. I wasn't like, oh God, what's going to, what's going to happen here? Um, I think the other, the other little bit to this is... You know, we're talking about Fabinho not playing particularly well. I think that there is we're struggling a little bit, Glenn, with with or more accurately, maybe Firmino is struggling a little bit at the minute to impact games. So you're in a situation in a game like this where, for instance, the lad who's well, he spends all the game theoretically playing through the middle of the pitch, uh, even after the changes. Who's doing that for you? Is finding it? Is finding it a bit harder this season? Uh, and I can't quite work out why. To be honest with you, it just in almost everything he's doing, he appears to be to, to to be producing less. He's winning the ball back less. It looks looks like he's winning the ball back less. It looks like he's not covering quite as much ground. I can't quite work out if he's just had his rhythm discombobulated. Though I am tempted to say he maybe just maybe wasn't petite. It was around this time last year where he has a, he was in the doldrums for about a month and a half after he misses the penalty against Sevilla. So it's not necessarily that different from last season, but he, he just doesn't from this time last season. But he just doesn't quite look the part at the minute. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I I think some of his performances this season have been down, like some of his. Not a great performance has been down to he's looking knackered. Um, I think that's been pretty obvious, um, which is understandable given that the, the summer he had and all that. And then the, the last few games he's been playing in that sort of number ten role, which I think I think he he's adjusting to or, or struggling with it. If I'm honest, um, 
And then this this game's not ideal because he's asked to do a lot. He's like, he's starting as a false nine, and then he's shifted out to number ten, and then basically plays as a number eight at times because he's got to you know deal with Arsenal's you know many mid- midfielders and all that. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't know. I think there there along with Marnie, him and Marnie, I think have been. <laughs> At the same levels, really not great, um, but still, you know, contributing at times. Although Mane's d- done more, um, his run for the disallowed goals brilliant. Um, that's like a if you, if you watch it back, it's sort of like a a very well worked and clever move that Mane's sort of at fault for going for the ball because um, you know Firmino's you know got it and, and does good finish. Just unlucky that it hits the post. Um, yeah, so there are flashes of that. I, I wonder whether. <laughs> I think so. What he had a week not to prepare for this game full. Now um, I, I do wonder whether he'll start in, in, against uh, Red Star, but with Shakiri not there, maybe he has to. Um, I think it is a bit of inconsistent form, but he's still impacting and he's still he's still working hard. Um, I think it might click sometime soon, but I think I think Salah's been the leading light of that front three, to be honest, and, and by some distance. Mm. I think it's a little bit harsh on Manny. I think uh, you know he's our top scorer in the Premier League, isn't he? And I think he's his role's kind of changed a little bit this season. I think he was playing a little bit further back, and I think that's something that maybe is affecting for me. You know, a little bit as well is that Salah's so obviously the kind of the star now and the star attraction, and is wanting to be kind of more central. And and then I think Manny's pushed up, I'd say, you know, the 10, 15 yards, like just up the pitch in terms of what he, he was playing actually quite deep at times last season, almost kind of like a left and well, old-fashioned Well, he was at the start, I remember in pre-season, he was yeah. almost like a playmaker and I yeah. thought, and he, he did that against West Ham, I think, in the start of the season, but and to be honest, for that, for that goal, for the for the goal, actually, Mane sort of dropping deep, um, you know, making a run, drawing out Bellerin, I think it is, and then lays it off and yeah. just bombs past him. I think that's one of the, I think that's why Liverpool have put him there, because you know, he's a creative player. He's really intelligent, and he's got the pace to to make up for the distance. You know, when he's trying to keep up with play in in, in that final third. Um, I just, it's just not been there for him. I don't think he's contributing and he's getting he's getting numbers. Um, I think I I'm honestly me and Paul are going to argue about this in a minute. I think that Mane is like cumulatively across the course of the game about four foot away from scoring a hat-trick. <laughs> that there's repeated times where we nearly get him in, where he nearly gets himself in, where he's nearly on the end of things. And I was like, and maybe the best way to phrase it is I thought if it was going to come from anywhere, and I thought Salah played really well, I thought Salah played better than Mane, but I felt if there was if it was going to come from anywhere for Liverpool, it was almost going to come from Mane. So there's the one that Salah pulls across for him that he slides into that you mentioned before. There's the one where Salah nearly feeds him quite late in the game. Yeah. And that is just, it's just pure fortune from an Arsenal point of view. Well, it really is. is. It's also a bit. I think his position's good. I think he's quite smart in terms of the way the defender. He goes, "All right, you got to you got to get it past me here if you want to." And so he tries to sort of go through him, doesn't he? Almost, and it doesn't work. But I think Manny gets. But Manny's unlucky, certainly. Goal disallowed. Goal disallowed. And there's another two or three runs he makes where he's nearly about to get on the end of something. If Liverpool just release it, I think the same thing could be said of previous performances across the last sort of. Four or five games where he's just nearly getting in all the time, like, where I'm, and he's still scoring, he's still contributing in these games, you know. But I just think he's just nearly about to go wild, man, eh? And it's just not quite happening, and it's hugely frustrating. And maybe he could do a little bit more himself, but 
Paul, I, I think he's nearly there. And I think that him and Salah are on the verge of looking like they've got a great partnership, mm-hmm. whereas at times, a little bit at the minute, you're looking at it and you can be a bit frustrated with either of them. Yeah, do you know what? Rather than looking at the, my negatives for Mane at the weekend, I'll go, I'll go with the positive. I think he looks the most composed at the moment. I think he's the one who looks... Um, that there's no there's no shortage of confidence. Yeah, I think he's he's doing better than a little bit in terms of the 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 theatricals and and stuff. I don't I don't understand how that's crept into his game. He seems to be calling for a lot of fouls that aren't there and stuff at the minute. But I think his his role has certainly evolved. He's not just this lad who just explodes in behind. He's he's very much if anything he's taken up a bit more of a Coutinho role um, in his since his departure. Salah, Salah for me was was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch for Liverpool at the weekend. I, I thought, thought he was the best player on the pitch. Full stop. Watching well, it quite back. possibly. Watching, yeah. Like literally, like literally, look like the fellow who's best at football. Yeah, if you know what I mean. It is the watching it back thing, and I think Salah is is the, the one who's benefited most this season from when you watch it back. Like even last week against Cardiff, you know, you come on fuming with him nearly every sixty yard shots and stuff, and I understand that. But then you forget that he's just set up the last two goals and then probably thinks, you know what, I quite fancy one now or a 4 one I'm just going to hit it. And But you forget about that. And then his, his ball to Van Dijk, where Van Dijk should should probably score, if we're honest with you. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Most centre-halves don't think about bringing it down on the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think he's probably the only centre-half in, in world football who go, that's bring Bad it down on the chest. Bad is throwing his head at it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think most are throwing their heads at it, John. You know, the, can we talk about that for a minute? It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean the ball the ball from Salah to pick him out I mean you, you can't miss him don't get me wrong Van Dijk he did that against Cardiff as well so, from exact same. so good so good and for Van Dijk to do that bring it down his chest I'm just going to slot this you know that yeah. confidence is unbelievable but I think he gets more criticism if he doesn't bring it down so beautifully if we've all gone such a lovely touch it's alright for him to miss he's funny yeah he really has it's alright for him to not dink the on-rushing keeper from 10 yards whereas he he probably should score and everyone's being dead nice and I'm fine with it because I'd rather people were nice about Liverpool players than not I thought he was going to flick it over the keeper's head and slot it oh, <laughs> God. imagine if it would be like Bergkamp just gets off from the director's box <laughs> he was brilliant Van Dijk I mean um, just, on, just on Salad I would I don't, want, I don't want to step away from him too soon. I, th- I think, you know, I've, I've seen that Dem Keown comments after the game that he's not at it and that um, he, he looks like he's it's not absolutely it. wild. It's nonsense. I think people are expecting too much, and I think people are looking back at last season and thinking, oh, he was electric every game, and he was he was in the he's, he's never been a player who's always in the game. Yeah, and he's never been that sort of player, and that's why I think like watching it back, like I'm, I'm glad I watched this game back, and I, I largely did it because I didn't, as I said before, I didn't see all of it, but I'm glad I did because. And I'm glad I did it with the card because I think he's one where when he's playing, you, you, you're just like, oh, go on, just be free lads and, and bang it in the top corner. That's what you hope, that's what you want him to do. He was never really that, though, was no, he? I, I mean, think that's he what Keown's doing as yeah. well, or, or, or whoever it was. But you it's know, like, he's... It's like thinking Messi dribbles around seven every week yeah, and slots it. He's yeah. not that. You know, he, he was a poacher for a lot of the time and he, and he was a beneficiary of the other lads around him. Hard work and he scores more selflessness. Goals. It's worth remembering that last season there was a lot of people saying Salero, uh, sorry, uh, Salero Suarez's seasons and it's... Salah outscores the Suarez season, but Suarez was always in football matches, yeah. like the most in football matches anybody could ever be. <laughs> like there was, it was like it was like the football match was actually the Suarez match with a bit of football attached. If you know yes. what I mean, 
Whereas Salah outscored him and arguably in loads of senses much more economically has a better season in terms of when he's involved. But it is important to say it really isn't that, you know, he was not, he's not getting on the ball all the time. He's not even demanding the ball all the time. A lot of it is based around the idea of when it's the right time for me to get the ball, that's when I want it. Whereas the thing about watching that Suarez season was like, if anybody had the ball on the pitch, he wanted the ball off them immediately because he was going to sort something out. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he hit mad levels and he hasn't really come down from them. Suarez, and to put that level of pressure on Salah, you know, after I suppose every, everything he's been through since May as well, there's, there's, it's natural for him to have have a bit of a dip. But for me, he's, he's in he's in the game hugely. He's creative. He should have an assist there for Van Dijk, as we've just talked about. For, for me, as soon as Firmino can sort it out. I think I think that the two of them, Mane and Salah, hit hit them levels that we know and love. We'll go we'll go to the next level. Like Glenn, I want to talk about um I want to talk about the defence. Uh Van Dyke came up before. Right the way through the game, with the exception arguably of their goal, we've got a great line. The line is like it's the extent to which there's a lot of talk about what managers do do and what managers don't do in training time and all of this. I cannot get over the quality of the way Liverpool repeatedly caught a really good attack offside, squeeze space. And this is in a game where we're not in control. We're not playing that well high up the pitch. Before we maybe, we maybe criticise one individual performance in particular, but the four of them as a unit in terms of where they are, I thought it was it was just really, really impressive. Yeah, and the, and the goalkeeper as well. He was off his line a few times that were quite important. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that, that line's like... You can see it whenever someone makes an error and one of the teammates clears it up. It's it's not like not making a big drama out of it. They're all they're all in they're all in unison. They're all doing the job, and I think they all like playing with each other, which is important. Um, Van Dijk, that was I'd say his Palace performance was probably the best in his Liverpool shirt, but that's probably touching it close there. That one on 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 Saturday certainly his um, better opposition. Yeah, um, it's the fact that he can you know he, he does his job sublimely and then you know can make up for whenever you know Joe Gomez makes a, a rare error but Gomez was was nearly flawless as well um you know making crucial blocks and stuff and um Robertson as well and to, and to for, for them to keep that line when you know that organized line when Robertson's got a lot of space to exploit on the left hand side and, and is using that space and is involved in attacks is um it is very impressive. Um, it's just a it's just a shame that the, the goal comes from a brilliant move from Arsenal. You know, two two people or two Arsenal players um, make that run in behind, and obviously Lacazette gets it. And it's just it's a brilliant ball from Awobi, like perfect. Um, but that's what you get with quality players. And you know, even though it wasn't a clean sheet, I think it was a, a, an unbelievably good defensive performance. Yeah, I think the line's been good all season, and it's notable, especially from free kicks that we can see how they'll just hold the nerve. And I'd love to, if someone's got the stats for how many times the opposition have been offside from their own attack and free kicks, I reckon with twice as many as anyone else in the league. Honestly, it just seems to be like, they just they just sort of hold the nerve. And then the natural thing is to drop, isn't it? And that's why you'll often see fellas just stood outside, offside. You're like, why are they doing that? The goalkeeper allows them to yeah, do that. Yeah, the yeah. confidence yeah. in the goalkeeper. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, yeah. And maybe, I'm sure, I'm sure it is a factor. But I think, you know, Van Dyke, if you know, just to, to kind of talk about him a bit more, I don't know, Paul wants to as well, just... Just his absolute classes is absolutely un- unreal, and you know, still kind of pinching myself that we managed to kind of get him early because, you know, 
could have gone anywhere, should play anywhere, would walk into anyone else's team, you know, and 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 the fact that we've got him and and how much he's enjoying it, and as Glenn says, enjoying kind of playing with his teammates as well. I think he's he's helped Gomez a lot in terms of his confidence and in terms of you know showing the, the player that we always kind of hoped he would be really. So yeah, um, I think. And as well, the defence generally deserve a lot of credit for the fact that how, you know, we talk about Arsenal's kind of overall dominance and, and how they, they managed to get the better of us, really. But how many clean cut chances in the game, really? You know, and, and you know, you don't want to be giving the, the, the opposition so much space and uh, at times and, and so much time. But because of the quality of our, of our kind of, you know, final line of defence, really, it, it, it didn't actually cost us too much, whereas we we probably have three or four really, really good chances because so when we were able to kind of get onto the ball, you know, we, we, were, we were creating things that were probably a little bit easier than, than what Arsenal were. I mean, I don't know I don't know what more you can really say about Virgil van Dijk. It's... Should he score? Yeah. Yeah, he should score. Lovely but, chest. But he's a defender. I mean, the header's arguably a bigger chance. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. The header? Yeah. Yeah, probably should score. I think he should score a bit more, and maybe that's the only the only criticism you can get you can give him because defensively he's perfect. So for me, he's the, he's the best centre half I've seen play for Liverpool. I think I can already say that without him winning anything. People are talking about Hippier and and Carragher and nah, they weren't that good. They're not. They're just not. And I think I think the, the both of them would probably be humble enough to just say he's just streets ahead of of anyone I've seen play for this club. Um, I don't I don't understand how he couldn't be seen as the best centre half in the world now. I just I, I, I heard Ferdinand at the weekend talking about him and Gomez being potentially the best um the best centre half partnership in the Premier League ever and I and I feel they can be and I, I appreciate his point about them needing to win and I do agree with it. But this generation is different and I think even even if they don't win as much as they probably should that's that's only because of Manchester City. It's not because of Joe Gomez and it's not because of Virgil van Dijk because they are both brilliant. But Virgil van Dijk at the moment, there's nobody close to him for me. He's Varane. Varane's different. He's quick. He's he's excellent and he wins and and that that gets him into that that category. Varane is superb. Don't get me wrong. And he's just won the World Cup. He's just won the Champions League. But I think I think if you well let's put it this way if you're offering me either of them now I'm not even thinking about it. If it's, it's 85 minutes and you one nil up, you you it's, only it's one Van Dijk in it, and and I think especially that's, for the yeah. Premier League as well. You yeah. know, it's it's that bit more, it's that bit more physical, and he's not gonna he's not struggling with that. I just don't. I don't. Know, I don't even think Varane's close to him. Varane's pace gets him out of bother, and he's got Sergio Ramos next to him. He's dead aggressive. He's doing this with a 21 year old lad next to him, and he's, I, I feel I feel Joe Gomez is fantastic, but I bet you he, lo- he loves having his reputation enhanced by being next to Virgil Van Dijk, knowing that he can do go and do bits because he hasn't got a clown next to him. You know that he can he can take a risk and let that tackle because if he, he if he makes a mistake, Var- uh, Van Dijk's there, and that, that's just so good, so so good. Um, defending, uh, they targeted us down the left pole. Um, Alexander Arnold played right back. Mm. There was no Lovren in case the manager didn't want to do it a little bit differently. He didn't know, wasn't able to select Lovren in the squad. Uh, my first question is: Do you think that if Lovren had been fit, he'd, if he'd have started, hundred percent, hundred percent, Trent's not at it at, at all, um, which which is fine. And he's had he's had a huge, huge. He's had, he's had the biggest eighteen months of his life. Yeah, of course he has, and it's fine that it, that he's going to have a, a bit of a dip in form, but he's. He's miles off it for me at the moment. Um, I think, I think you're going to get this with young players though, and 
Gomez himself. Yeah, Gomez has been through it, you know, and it's it's not easy when you've got Aubameyang up against you. And as I sort of said, that I I appreciate that 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 he's that is that he's a lad of a certain age and he's still got that level of inexperience. But he's got Aubameyang at him, who's at an age where he's in his pomp so fast. He's getting he's getting balls played from him from a lad who's on three hundred grand a week in Ezel. He's going to be given a hard afternoon, but I just don't think you know. I watched I watched the way Trent dealt with Leroy Sane last year, and that was Trent at that level, you know. And I, I feel I feel he's a little bit off off it, and the, the, I don't think it helps that Joe Gomez can shift to right back and be one of the best right backs in the Premier League, you know. And the, that that's not going to help Trent either because Dejan Lovren, like him or not, is one of the best centre halves in this Premier League. He, he he just is. He's not he's not doing what he's doing. Through being rubbish, he does make mistakes, and I appreciate that. And he's he's far from perfect, but I think for the manager in a big game like that, he's a much rather have had Joe Gomez at right back. Yeah, I think he would as well. I mean, the thing with Trent and the thing I like about him is that even when he plays poorly, he'll always do something and he'll always contribute something. And so it's his ball to for me, you know, isn't yep. it? Where where the, on his left foot, so. yeah, it's yep. which is, and it's a great pass, great, you know, perfectly weighted. And he'll always do something, Trent. Um, but he's. And I also I'll stick up for him in another way to say like he probably wasn't expecting necessarily to go up against Obama Young and for Arsenal to kind of be so attacking and I think I think they probably would have tried to target Gomez as well. I don't think it was necessarily Trent they were targeting. No, I think they were going to play down that. They yeah, were going to play yeah. on Obama Young's flank. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I think you know if if, if you're getting targeted. You, you know, you're going to look a bit shaky than the fellow who's, who's the other side who's going, this is great, this, they're not passing down here at all. And so I think, you know, that's that's a nice situation that Andy Robertson gets himself into. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's there's, there, are, there are a few too many mistakes and a few too many times where he looks like he's still a new defender. And, and I don't think he's great for the, for, the, for the goal at all in that I don't think... I think he's, he's, got to, he's got to look at be alive a lot quicker. And I think if he, if he gets back rather than stands there with his hand up in the air like Tony Adams in 1990, then I think, I don't think, I, I'm not saying he doesn't score, but it's a lot harder for him. And although he makes it look easy, like I said, because he's a, he's a really good footballer, I think, you know, if Trent, if Trent just sprints back straight away or even, or even, you know, a lot quicker than, than he does. He doesn't react at all until until Lacazette's kind of come back inside. I think it's much much harder for him, and and I don't know why you why he you know maybe he's got faith in the line, and we've just been praising the line, but I don't know how why it takes so long to kind of recover. Really, and the only thing I can think of is that he hasn't been playing right back long enough. Yeah, but, I, I I think sorry, Glenn, it's, it's that he's got to help his keeper with his angles a little bit. The keeper's in no man's land, and he needs to go and cover the post. He's the right back. It's his job. Can't play offside where that's all happening. Just just help the keeper by being on the line and trying to try and try and let <clears throat> try and let the keeper tell up Lacazette where to put it and yeah. you be a body. I, and I think he's got to be he's got to be a bit better. And I'm asking him to be more mature. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and he's yeah. not. He's 19, and we can't. I can't. I can't expect perfection from him just because we're getting such big heights with Joe Gomez at a young age. It's rare centre halves don't aren't this good at this age. Fullbacks are slightly younger when he comes to fruition, but he's so he's so young. He's been through so much. I just think he'll come back for Trent. He's brilliant. Yeah, just on your point about being static, he does it for the first half. In the first half as well, you know when um, Mkhitaryan's header. Yeah, 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 so yeah. He, he sees Allison coming out. He doesn't go towards Mkhitaryan, but he doesn't go back on the line as well. He's just sort of in no man's land. And to be fair to him, he's on the left because. Um, Robertson shifted over to the right. Yeah, it's it, broken yeah, back from a corner yeah, or a set yeah, piece so or something. It's yeah. a bit messy, but um, 
I think it, it was he's not Emery's not the first manager to target Trent. Um, you know, even Palace did it, didn't they? Like the, yeah. last season, um, I think he had. He had, a, he had a rough start, sort of steadied himself, and then sort of went by the way, uh, struggled a bit when when the game was coming to an end and it was a bit more frantic. Um, but as you say, he's still still contributing and um, with with that ball to uh, Firmino on his left foot and it's just up, up ups and downs, isn't it? And, um, I'm sure he'll, sure he'll be back soon. There is game finishes uh, one each. You said before, Glenn, you'd have took the point. Um, there is a last little part of this which is we've got to you know we're in this context we know that the battle that we're up against and we now find ourselves um, two points behind Manchester City absolutely flying look great against Southampton uh, Chelsea keeping the pressure on come up level with us uh, on goal difference it is still worth pointing out we've gone to Chelsea we've gone to Tottenham and we've gone to Arsenal uh, they're three difficult away fixtures we've got them all in our back pocket we've got them done uh, we've also uh, had Manchester City at home the- there's the pace is a thing and and you can't wish it away but what you can say is we all had a nice Saturday night I mean that like in the sense of you know you got to watch a hugely competitive Liverpool side put in a decent performance in trying circumstances against a really good Arsenal side that we've almost got to mentally be in the business of being in business we've got to say well these are our lads this is where we are and it's going to be a long season of this and it's going to be nip and tuck all the way the manager I think was himself was trying to say that afterwards that you know if you're two points behind Manchester City when we go there that's perfectly fine. That this is literally how association football works. Yeah, it's just now more heightened than ever. You, Neil, you just want Liverpool to be in a position by April, May, May time, don't you? And the way it's going, Liverpool in Liverpool will be in that position if things keep the way they are. They're, they're swatting teams aside. They're um, they're not being beaten by the rivals, which I think is important. Um, although. What would you rather go for? You know, three points and, and take the risk of losing the game against your rivals, or you know, pick up a point. It's a, it's a difficult, difficult one, isn't it? Um, especially when you're managing, you know, the morale of 25 players and all that. It, it, it's kind of difficult. Um, that said, Man City have got to go to the the playing United, aren't they? Ne- yeah, yeah. Next weekend, but without without De Bruyne. Um, I know that I know they beat United last year, but. Um, Mourinho's, you know, he'll be preparing for this game for the past month or whatever, um, looking for some. Man United win there though, don't they? They win one three two. When City are going for the title. So yeah, so um, I mean, City have got better this year, which which is unbelievable to think of. Uh, But I think you know Liverpool are handily placed. uh, I think is is the right thing to call it, Um, and. They're not looking knackered yet. There's there's no real injuries, you know, to touch wood, and and there are glimpses that it, it's all beginning to, to to sort of click in 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 the right way. Um, and you'd rather do that later on in the season than at the start and peter out. We're we're in a situation where we're a win against Red Star away and a win against Fulham to be top of our Champions League group. John, only two points off the pace in the league, no matter what Manchester City do. If you know what I mean, like yeah. it's, it's no matter what Manchester City do, it does. For me, and I'm not saying for one second here, this is where we're going to kick on and City are going to fall off a cliff far from it. But all the way through, it's they're so funny the start of these seasons with the international breaks. Now they come in, we now know enough of having done years of this, not just, not like simply supporting Liverpool, but also doing this job, John. And it does make a little bit of a difference to you, to your rhythms, almost like a circadian rhythm in a strange sense that things get real 
when we get back from this next international break, that there's no hiding places. There's no hiding places for anyone. You've got midweek games. You've got the Christmas period on the horizon. That it does. There is a hammer that goes down from now until the third round of the FA Cup, and Liverpool are in a position to be part of that, to be part of that. There's, there's. I can understand why 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 some supporters find it difficult, and why we're finding you know the the pace that City go at. It is intimidating in a sense, but there's another sense here, which is to say it's it's been a fabulous start of the season. We played 11, won eight, drawn three. We're in decent shape. We're in excellent shape, I would say. And look, we'd I'd have loved to have, to have won that game at, at the weekend. We didn't, but you know we're the only team in the season to who who haven't dropped points against people um, outside of the top six. So the only the three games that we've drawn are against Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, and Manchester City. Everyone else who's up there, you know, have, all, have always all dropped points against. You know, it's Wolves and City's cases, and I think it's Palace and Chelsea's case. And Arsenal got beat by Watford, and so you know, eventually we will drop points. So I'm not trying to jinx it or anything because it was so, you know, you know, throughout the at some point in the season, you know, even Everton might get like points against us, you know what I mean? But but something like that. So it so it will kinda of happen, but we need to keep our heads when that happens as well because you know, I know people are saying like, oh my you know, this might be a case of how Liverpool get so many points and, and break records for for second, and that might happen. But what also might happen is that we talk ourselves out of it, and then City have a crap March or something when the Champions League's back on and running, and you're left kicking yourself that that you've talked yourself out of a title challenge. And that's what I worry a little bit about happening. So, so none of us can do that. Not supporters, not the players. Look, I'm sure the players are feeling a little bit sorry for themselves as well, as well because it's natural. I'm sure they're looking at that City performance on Sunday, or or at least the score if they haven't seen it and going oh, are, they, are they ever going to do it and, and and so that is natural but you've you have just got to concentrate on yourself and it's a cliche and, and, and looking at what we've managed to achieve so far this season is exceptional look I'm sure if we'd have all sat down and predicted how many points you think we'll have the, you know this stage of the campaign you know, and forget about the Champions League as you say we're top of that group as well I don't think many would have said this many you know what it's I mean it's like you've, you've, you've picked up the amount of points the odds would tell you you know that you've not yeah. put, you know you've You've won all the ones you should win and the ones in the top six you've drawn, and that's fine. We need to stop losing our heads a little bit. Man City drop points at Wolves. You know, that that's gonna happen again in yeah. the season. Liverpool might drop points at Leicester at home or whatever. It's a season. It's just because City got hundred points last year doesn't mean they will this year. Yes, they look good. They're having a bit of a they're having a purple patch, or is that is that just Manchester City? I don't know. They're dead good and we've got to get a, if we're gonna win the title, we've got to get loads and loads of points. Fine. But let's not lose our heads over our Arsenal away. If that's all this feels away, yeah, fine. But it's Arsenal. Let's dis- stop dis- disrespecting Arsenal because they're good. Let's stop disrespecting Chelsea or whatever. Liverpool can't win every game as much as we want to. We can't. But there's every chance that we... We're Pop's happy a- with a point. But there's, but there's every chance, Paul, that we're having a chat. We're currently played 11. There's every chance that we're going to be played 15 and we're still going to have only dropped six points. Yeah, yeah. Like we're still gonna we're still gonna be saying we've only dropped six points because so far this we're season. We're winning the ones we're meant and, to, and sort of drawing the ones that yeah, and they are, dropped are close, and they dropped they dropped fourteen across the course of last season. There's every chance that we get, as I say, we get to over you know essentially nearly halfway, and we've dropped around the on par number of points, and that is you know that that's wild, but that's sort of where we are. It's it's why, for instance, you've got to make sure that you do the business against a Fulham. It's why you can't take any chances. Why you've got to be at the races, but that's absolutely fine because it means that we get to see our football team hope. Hopefully, be as close as it can be to being at the races thirty-eight times. It's an adventure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm enjoying it because Liverpool are winning loads, and everyone needs to sort of get behind that. Um, but I, I think if you flip this on the head and go, Liverpool, Manchester United and Manchester City played the weekend. They play exactly the same game. 
as what what happens between the pool and Arsenal the weekend. You go to Pep Guardiola afterwards. What do you think of that? You're happy with the points? He probably goes, yeah, I'm all right with that. That's fine. It didn't get beat. It's a tough game. It's against one of the rivals. He wouldn't take it beforehand, and I don't think Jürgen Klopp would have. But I think after, if that same game happens, Guardiola's pragmatic enough to go in the bigger picture. I'm happy with that point. We move on. We'll 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 be Fulham away next. Uh, we'll be Fulham our own next Saturday. Mm. And Liverpool fans, we need to think like that. We need to stop losing our shit because of Arsenal. Arsenal away in most seasons, that's a perfect result. I know we want to get this huge points total on because we need to. But it's Arsenal away. Remember, it's fucking Arsenal away. Um, Dead quick. I'm not going to ask you for a full team, uh, but dead quick. Um, <laughs> you're playing. Are you going to start Fabinho in Belgrade? Yes or no? Um, sorry, that's harder than I thought. I think. I think because of Sha- the Shakiri thing, we're probably going to have to. Yeah, he needs to get that. Yeah, I'd definitely play him uh, because he was great against them in the first leg, and they won't. They wouldn't want to. I see just him. wouldn't play a three-man midfield, but I think our options are limited. Uh, we might do something on like that. Uh, you're starting. You're giving for me another week off, or you're starting storage. I might go storage. Um, Tuesday and then if he plays well I might go on Sun Sunday as well yeah sorry yeah, I'd probably give Firmino the, the denial yeah I'd do what John says yeah. um, are you going to rest either of Mane or Salah um, probably keep Salah in and rest Mane no I'll play them both yeah play them both actually yeah. who, who else have Liverpool Just got to play <laughs> big Divock oh, yeah. left wing <laughs> uh, you never know I'll keep Mane as well haven't you and he, he, he may be I think I think we all rule them out now, but I don't think the manager does. Nor do I. Uh, all right, then. Thank you very much indeed to Paul Senior, to John Gibbons, and to Glenn Price. Uh, thank you very much indeed to our partners. Red's Bet sponsor for 2018. Do gamble responsibly if you do choose to do so, and that has been the Anfield Wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.